seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. You know the scripture. And then it says, then I will hear heaven. Then I will heal their lands and forgive their sin. I said, I know the scripture said, well, Lord, you telling me something? Yes, I am. Am I in sin? Yes, you are. How am I in sin? It's a sin called gluttony. The saints of God, we don't like to talk about it too much, but it's good. We, we know he's the Lord of hosts, and we know that he's a God of festival. Amen? And having feasts, but you can't have feasts every night. Amen. So I was in sin because I wasn't eating right. I was 28 years old, shouldn't have been in the position I was in. And God said, I warned you, told you time and time again through different people and different things. And even in your family, that generational curse, that demon had been operating in your family. I had people in my family who had died at 40 years old from diabetes. I went through this and I said, Lord, I, I repent. And I, I'm in there. Here come the doctor coming back in. And uh, she said, well, we don't know. We got to run some more tests. But uh, we're going to work it out. They ran out the room. I'm still in there. And then I just, you know, sometimes people can get you out the spirit. So I got out of the spirit and I started, I bind this up in the name of Jesus. I'm going through all these changes. And God said to me, shh. That's not what's going on here. This is a worship that you're going to need to get into to get the real answer. I want you to just give it to me now. Give me the healing now, Lord. And God said, nope, because you got to pay for some things to appreciate it. He said, you're going to have to get pregnant with your healing. I said, get pregnant with a healing. I said, this ain't God. Uh-uh, this ain't God. This is something else going on. God said, we will talk again. Conversation ended. That's how I was. I went home, and even though they took my license, I drove home. Being disobedient, I have no problem telling you this. I got home. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into worship. I'm going to get into worship. So I turn on my Fred Hammond and all that good stuff. God said, turn that off. This is going to be something a little bit deeper than what you've been used to doing. Now, God said, I want you to understand there's some good news about this. But you got to understand where you're at and how you got here. A lot of people are battling this thing even today about diabetes. I had to get into a place where God could give me that word, which is a word of revelation, not an inspiration. I don't want nobody else's testimony for my situation. So I got before the Lord and I worship. What ended up happening? I went in the basement, turned the lights off, closed the door. Nobody was there. My wife was in Atlanta and the kids were with her. I got and I worshiped to the point I was bumping in the furniture. I stayed before the Lord. I fell down on the ground. I had no strength in my body. I did not take the medication that they gave me. I was already worn out emotionally. I'm crying before the Lord. I mean, hollering because I knew that something was wrong with me and I needed God to touch me. I thought I was close with the Lord. He had pulled me out of a job. I'm full-time ministry going all over the country preaching. I met Barb through my ministry at the Kobo Auto Show. So I had a spiritual mother in my life that I did not have, you know, a spiritual mother, a spiritual father. I got somebody I can go to and answer my questions. Somebody can help keep me in line without putting it in before everybody. But I can call her and she can straighten me out without an audience. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm thinking I'm walking good with the Lord. But what happened was God said, I got to get you closer because you're going to share this with other people. So I got before the Lord. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I don't know how long it was, but I had to stay there until... God said, get up, laying on the floor, dirt, snot, sweat, crying, who knows what was going on. 
But the Lord, because I had the lights off, I couldn't even see what I looked like. But I was wore out. When I got up, I was my clothes was drenched. And God said, now, after we done, because the Lord spoke to me, he said, get up. Now I'm going to talk with you. He said, you need to understand one thing. I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, the Lord who has healed you. Then God said, I want you to get yourself prepared. You're going to study, and you're going to have this testimony. I studied. When God gave me the revelation, he said, you are healed. Never let them tell you what you are not. You are what I say you are. You are healed. I began to study, and then I got the revelation. By his stripes, we are what? We are healed. And by his stripes, we were healed. Our healed is New Testament or Old Testament, and the other one is Old Testament or New Testament. But in the Old Testament, it has one, and the New Testament has one. I knew I was healed, regardless, because my body was messed up. And then I began to go back to the doctor, take this medication, Mr. Grace. we got to check your blood sugar. Okay, I got my blood sugar checked. Your numbers ain't going down. We don't know what's going on. Keep taking the medication. we got to watch you. All right. Go back the next day, taking my blood sugar numbers as they do. Because they got to get you to a certain level where they know you're safe. I say, well, all right, Lord, if I'm here, what's going on with these bad numbers? Do y'all talk with God about some things? You know, he told you something, but it don't look like. And say, God, say, walk by faith, not by sight. What you doing? Why are you worrying about that? God said to me, do you trust me? I said, yes. Trust me with your life then. I even been preaching this at our church in Atlanta. I've been telling people, if you trust God, trust him with your life, everything. We say we do cars, money, family, all that. But when it comes to your life, are you able to fall and let God catch you? Truthfully. I studied. Stayed with God. I went back. This is like five days straight getting this number. It's like, okay, we got to call a specialist in. Are you sure you taking this medication? I said, yeah, man, I'm taking this glucophage and this low tensin and whatever else y'all got me taking on. Then they were talking about dialysis because they said some things ain't working right. Then I went home and I said, well, Lord, I got this thing that uh, a book that I got from Barb is called God's Generals. And the videotape, and it was a guy in there that had this situation uh, during the world's fair in chicago and i can't remember his name he said it's going to be one of two ways you're going to leave out this place healed or dead i don't remember his name but he's in the book i said well that's just going to have to be me because i can't be going through these changes i just accept whatever's going to happen lord you done told me to trust you i do and i'm done with it i'll turn this is where you get to the point where you turn it all over to god i go get my blood sugar tested I go home, and they normally call me at 7 p.m. Didn't get no phone call. And I said, man, don't my insurance cover a phone call? What's the the problem? So I call. I'm already not being Brother Stone. I'm just being Stone. Man, you know, hey, what's up? The Lord said to me, shh, you about to mess up my testimony. I said, all right, I, I, I repent, Lord, touch me. I'm on hold. Uh, Mr. Grace, yes, you still there? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Put me back on hold. Okay. Now the phone gets picked up by somebody said, Mr. Grace, we have a problem. And I'm about to drop the phone and just lose it. What you mean we got a problem? 
God said, you ain't learned yet. You, you, you ain't learned yet? Stop. You about to mess it up. So I said, okay, what's the problem? Your numbers went back to normal. We don't know how. We think your chart got mixed up. I said, no, that's God. That's what's happening. My numbers went back to normal. Kidneys kicked back in and all that. Mr. Grace, we need you to come back in. We need you to uh, take some, we need to draw blood and all this other stuff. I said, I'll see you tomorrow at the, the time I've been coming in there. So I go back, the number's back to normal, and they're still sitting up there scratching their head. And then there comes the doctor who wanted to tell me I was a diabetic. And she says, uh, Miss Dr. Kang, and she says, uh, Mr. Grace, we, um, we don't know what's really going on here. I said, well, let me tell you what's going on. God is dealing with me. He's healing me. She was trying to stop me because she's not a believer. I said, she said, well, your belief, I said, it ain't about my belief, it's my faith. It ain't about my belief, it's my faith that made it happen. Long story short, because I'm trying to keep it in the right amount of time, a long testimony. But what ends up happening is they, they, they can't figure it out. They recommend I take the medication. I wasn't going to take the medication, but God said, take the medication. You have to take care of this thing completely because there are people that need to have the testimony heard about you taking the medication. Because when the time and the hour came for me to come off the medication, God said, you will know. My wife will tell you I was in the bed after one Friday night service. I'm asleep. And then I feel as if something was ripped out my body. I jumped out the bed. I mean, out of a sleep, sleep. Jumped out the bed. I mean, not crawl or climb out, jump. I felt like something pulled me off the bed and I jumped on the ground. And I ran into the bathroom because I'm thinking my whole part of my body here was hot. So I'm thinking I'm bleeding. You know what I'm saying? I think it's something backfired or something. I don't know what's going on. I run in the bathroom and I'm touching myself. My heart rate is up and I look in the mirror and behind the mirror is the medicine cabinet or whatever. And I look in the mirror and I can see behind this mirror in this cabinet, you know, medicine cabinet, that medication guy said, throw it out. I done pulled it out. It's gone. It's completely moved. When he did that, I have not taken, and this has been how many years now? This is when I was 28. I'm 37 now. I have not taken one piece of medication. I've had not had a relapse. Amen. My eyesight returned to normal. I don't have a special diet. And I'm here to tell you, the last thing about the testimony is I've had other people in ministry try to tell me what to do on this situation. And I said, listen, if I were you, I'd be very careful on giving advice to people about something they've been through because God may have to put you through it so that you can understand on how to get it right. You understand what I'm saying? Because I've been to a lot of places, but I'm here to tell you that God is a healer and he will give healing if you need healing, as the scripture said. Amen. God bless you. That's my testimony on healing. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Stone. Praise God. Thank you for sharing healing. We thank you for saying that he is the healer because he himself, himself, he did it himself, took our infirmities, and he carried away all of our sicknesses. It's already done. So we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, today I'm going to inform you of something. The verdict is in. You are healed. Amen. Amen. The verdict is in. You 
are healed. Amen. Praise God. That's something to praise God about. Praise God. Amen. Now, people look at me, some of them like I'm crazy or scared to clap. What's she talking about? I'm healed. I don't feel good. I'm here to heal in service because I'm sick. They tell me I'm sick. But when we talk about a verdict being in, you need to understand that there is a written judgment already that condemns death and sickness and hell and the grave. So healing really is a legal benefit. It is not a matter of how you feel. It is not a matter of what symptoms you have, what diagnosis you have, what disease you have, whatever you want to call it. You know, the earth gives you all kinds of terminologies for things that God's already done away with. See, when you start refuting it with the word, you know the devil comes up with a new word to try and top what you just said you are. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have disease. You have the, uh, uh, what do they say, beginnings of or early or predisposition to. Now they're trying to genetically engineer people based on what they think they can find about what you're going to have and what your kids are going to have. Don't you know the devil's out to kill humanity, folks? If he can get you before you even get your children into the earth, my goodness, bad enough we got to uh, wrestle with diagnoses and labels and all that kind of stuff once we get here. But the devil's trying to get you to accept some kind of family sickness or family predisposition before your kids even get here. So he's trying to doom and curse us before we're even born. Well, I talk to the floor if y'all won't answer me back. Hello. See, when you start telling believers about healing and divine health, you get one of two reactions. Stunned silence. <laughs> I don't know what to say amen to. I, uh, uh, but we're talking about a legal verdict that's been levied against everything that has to do with sin. Sickness is only a part of the curse of the broken law of disobedience. You look at Genesis chapter 2, you see where man, uh, God told the man that if he ate of the tree, and you all know the story, of, of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said the tree that's in the middle of the garden is Genesis 2, 9, I think it is. <clears throat> God told the man that he was going to put him in the garden and he could freely eat of every tree in that garden. But he was forbidden to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Until that time, man only had knowledge of good. He only had knowledge of God. And so God told him, I don't want you to disobey me in this. In the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. The first thing the devil did is came and told his wife on one of them days when he should have took her out to dinner. If she hadn't been picking trees and trying to find something to eat, I tell you now we'd still be there. Thank you. And the men said, thank you. Huh? 
I'm telling you, if you guys would man up and start treating us like ladies sometime, we wouldn't be in much of the trouble we wind up getting into. But, you know, she's all tired and stuff. The vacuum cleaner broke down. The kids all crying and everything. And and the devil comes up to her and says, has God really said it? She said, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I'm just tired. Give me five, sister. You know that's the truth. Get over here. Somebody can talk to you. (laughs) Can we talk, girls? Huh? But she, he said, did God really say that? And that's what he says to us now. Does God really say you're healed? What about how you feel? What about the, what the doctors say? You know, you can't live in denial. You have to accept reality. Huh? Isn't that what they tell us? You, gotta, you, you, you must be in denial. You've got to accept reality. Well, there's a real world, and there's a real world. Huh? There's a real world where God controls everything, which is the kingdom of heaven, which is where believers live. And which is where you can touch even if you're not a believer and you need God. You can touch anytime you want to from the seen realm over into the unseen realm where you can tap into the power of God. And so God wound up, of course, the man and the woman disobeyed God. And God wound up putting them out of the garden and pronouncing a curse on them for their disobedience. And that's in Genesis chapter 3. In verse 14, though, he says, And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon your belly you shall go. Dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, what the Lord is doing here right now is out of the curse, he is bringing a way out into redemption. Because he created man to live forever. Jesus was the only man who was born to die. Hello? The rest of us are born to live forever, but he was the only one who was commissioned. His birth was the purpose of his birth was to die as a sacrifice for all of the rest of us. So God, when he spoke to us, when he spoke, he said, let us make man in our image. That means eternal life. It doesn't mean, well, man is similar to God. It meant that man is like us in every respect. Adam could think like God. Adam went around and named every animal that God brought to him. He gave it a name. What does that mean? Why is that important? Well, God said, I give you dominion over the earth. What do you do when they bring your babies to you in the hospital? You give them a name. That's how you take dominion over your children. That's how you possess things. You name it so that when you call, it responds to you. You have relationship with it based on that name. So Adam named every animal 
that was on the earth. Now, for those of you people, you know, educated people. Now, I had to give me some education, too. Now, just don't, you know. I ain't just no preacher that's all in the Bible and that's all I do or ever done. Uh I've been to them colleges where they strip your mind clean of anything that has anything to do with God. It's hard to hold on, you know, to real wisdom and get the world's, you know, you got to get some world stuff, so you got to get a job. You got to live. But for some people who, you know, a little education, they think evolution is how man got here. But I believe God just sat down and looked in the mirror one day and took your basic lump of clay. That's a little inside joke, all right. (laughs) But anyway. I used to I used to talk about my husband sitting there with a remote control. I said, you know, your basic lump of clay. Bad joke, it's like a girlfriend joke. But, well, he made the man first, so <laughs> then he made the woman to help him out. Cause you know, well, anyway, we'll, we won't go there. Hey, let me. What was I talking about? Uh, what was it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Evolution. Well, you know, evolution is say there's a missing link between man and ape and they've been they find it like every five years or so so they say that man and apes have a common ancestor but you know what this word of god says adam looked at everybody every animal god brought him and could not find anybody that looked like him and that what it says he couldn't find anybody he was compatible with there wasn't even a basic similarity between what he saw and what God had created animal-wise. So he never tried to link himself up with the animals, but he took dominion over them the way God told him. He related perfectly to them. And you know why they can't find the missing link? Because it's missing. It don't exist. Well, if that hurts somebody's feelings, it's too bad. Just go get your tuition money back. Don't get mad at the preacher. Get mad at the right people. Talk <laughs> that nonsense. Huh? I spend good money just getting that pumped into my brain. I feel like I need my money back. Because when I got in trouble, that knowledge never helped me. Huh? When I got sick and had a nervous breakdown, that didn't help me. What helped me was Jesus who always told me the truth about everything and still tells the truth. So in the garden, God decided that he would bring redemption right after the curse. So he told the man and the woman that there would be a child born to them who would come and bruise the devil's head. Now, what does that mean? It means that he would take the power of the curse away from Satan. So from that time forward, God has been pointing us in the direction of the Savior. He's been telling us that there would come a Savior who would redeem us from the curse of the law. So right then, the judgment of death was reversed by the mercy of God. Now, why do you think he would reverse a judgment that came out of his own mouth? Well, I look at it this way. The Bible says whatever thing God does, it lasts forever. So if he created us to live eternally, 
whatever came after that could not nullify what he did from the beginning. So sin came in to try and nullify what he set up from the beginning, and he just reiterated what he said at the outset. He said, I'm going to have to take you out of this garden. Why? He said, if I let them live forever, they're going to live forever in a condemned state. So he pulled them out of the garden so that they would not eat from the tree of life again, which caused them to live forever. And he would reintroduce the tree of life to them in another form. That's why Jesus is called the branch. Huh? The tree of life. See, if you really think, see, if you get out of your bookishness and out of your whatever, like Brother Stone said, get flat on the floor if you have to, slobber, get in the mud, whatever you need to do, but connect with God, you will find that God has answers to everything. I'll give you an example. For centuries, people would, they, when they first learned how to make boats and new boats would float on the water, took carnal men centuries to figure that out. And get enough nerve to get in a boat and get on the water. When he got in the water, he only went so far because what he could see on the horizon was it looked like the earth was flat and it dropped off. We have that experience now. When the Bible says God puts his feet on the orb of the earth, the circle of the earth. So it's been in the Bible all this time. Them nuts just didn't know how to go in there and get it. You understand what I'm saying? See, God has an answer for everything. There is nothing that we can experience as people that is outside of the realm of knowledge and answer and successful, victorious answer in God. Nothing. So God in the beginning established that man is just like me. I'm creating him to live forever. And the devil came in and tried to call God a liar. And he still does it. He lies to us about God and lies to God about us. He's like the worst gossip you ever knew in high school. You remember when I had them little girlfriends like that. They come and talk to me and start talking to me about Susie Q and get me to get stupid and say something bad about her. Then before I know it, everybody outside of school waiting for me to jump on me because she done went and told Susie Q what I said. Devil. Huh? I know that old stinking devil. And I, then when I got my Bible, I started reading about it. The father of lies. I said, I, she went to school with her. Huh? I went to school with his daughter. If he the daddy, I met the daughter. <laughs> but that's the devil's M.O. He lies. And he lies in the form of illness because the truth is there is already a judgment that says we are healed. Because the son that was supposed to come and bruise the devil's head has already bruised his head. So the verdict is in, folks. We are healed. Legally and in every way, according to the word of God, you are healed. The devil, I mean, the the Bible is a legal book, first of all. Let let me get you to understand that. All that is the laws of God about everything and the history of how God's laws affect humanity 
and the future about what God will do with those that he can rescue from this earth. And so as we walk through this life on the earth, we have a legal book that follows us. And there is a legal decree that stands on the books of the law in heaven that says the blood of Jesus has paid for everything that we need, even our healing. So the blood of Jesus came to redeem us from the curse. Not to reverse the curse, but to purchase us out of its power. Do you understand the difference? I know people will say things, yeah, well, it rhymes. You know, I mean, some people preach like that. This ain't one of them places necessarily. You know, God hit me with what? But the curse is not reversed. It's canceled. It's done away with for you. Why? Because there is no curse on the new covenant. In Isaiah 53, it tells us, uh, let me go to there so I can read it to you. Praise God. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. In verse 5, talks about this man who's a, 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 a rejected, acquainted with sorrows and grief. That means pain. There is a man who has been born to accept pain. We came into it as an inheritance. All people who are born are born in sin and shaped in inequity. You can't help but sin until Jesus comes into your life. Now, you can try to be as good as you want to be. But, you know, the Ten Commandments nail you on the want-tos. You know, if you don't ever sleep with nobody's husband or wife, you don't ever desire your, your neighbor's goods, you know, you don't look across that fence and wish that grass was yours. <laughs> huh? That's how it gets you, through your heart, covetousness. So if you desire to have something that somebody else has, well, I don't see nothing wrong with one that, you know, they got a nice house and I can learn how to take, get in the Bible and get what belongs to you. That's what God wants. He wants us to come to him for what we're entitled to. Huh? Keeps you honest. You won't go over there and steal what belongs to your neighbor. And so it says in, in, verse, in, in Isaiah 53, in verse 5, it says, He was wounded for what? Not for his sins, but for ours. He was wounded for our transgressions. That means you're breaking God's law. He was bruised for what? Our iniquities. That means your desire to sin. You know, some kind of sins we say we stumbled on and some you wanted to do. Makes no difference to God. He died for all of them. And it says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Jesus hadn't even come during the time of Isaiah. But it spoke of it in the now. That when he comes and you see this demonstrated, you will know that you are healed. There is evidence coming to demonstrate what God has done from the beginning. Now the Bible says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. So your sins were paid for before you even got here to think about sinning. Because God in his wisdom makes total provision for everything that we need from the beginning. 
good parents always do that. Huh? Good parents will buy a home. Will start to expand and, and get property before they bring children into the world. Why? They make provision for what it is that they're expecting. And God knew that we would disobey him. He knew that we would get in trouble. He knew that we would need a savior. So he said, I'll take care of this before I even create them. He, I will make sure the price is paid before they even hit the earth. That's why your sin is not uh, an issue to God anymore. Because it's already been taken care of. All you need to do is step into the remedy. All you need to do is step into the acceptance of what he's done to take care of your sin. And your sin is not paid for by you denying that you did that. (laughs) Or you thought that. Or any of that. It's paid by your confession. Your one-time confession of wrong. Hmm? That's the only time God tells you to quit confessing. Now, we're all into confessing the word, and we want to confess this and confess that. But a one-time confession of wrongdoing is enough for God. The Bible says if you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Which means that he looks at you one-time confession. Isn't that amazing? When you do wrong, he only wants you to mention it once. When you want to do right, he says, keep confessing it so that you can edify yourself and believe it. So the things that he wants us to receive may take a continual confession, but the things that we do wrong, only one time he wants to hear about it. Why is it the church always gets stuff upside down? We want to talk about people's faults and wrongdoing all day long and don't let people off the hook. And they done went on and repented and they living for God again and you still mad at them because of what you think they did. Huh? When God says, if you, are, if you confess it, I'm faithful. I forgive you and I cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's all gone. And so God in his mercy made a way for us to receive eternal life, which means eternal freedom from all forms of the curse. Sickness is nothing but a slow form of death. If you realize it, because all sickness will lead to death eventually. But, you know, I like what they used to say about the old saints. All you got to do is step over. You don't have to stop at the hospital on your way to stepping over into glory with God. You can go home well. You can walk into glory. You don't have to go out on a stretcher, go out with IVs, go out in the hospice, go out and all that. You can step over into glory. You see the patriarchs in the Bible, when they died, they gathered a family together, started blessing everybody. Well, it's about time. I'm going. Huh? They had one guy that walked with God and just disappeared. Huh? He just was so caught up with the things of God. They looked around and he was just totally gone. Huh? So you don't see them getting sick. Hezekiah was one I liked. When he got sick, he probably thought about it. He said, now wait a minute. What about Moses? Hmm? What about Abraham? Well, I mean, he started recounting and thinking about all of the patriarchs. He says, you know what I'm going to do today? Instead of dying, 
like the prophet just told me I was going to do. He said, I'm going to take it to a higher authority. I know that man's a servant of God, and I know he's heard from God on my behalf. But I think I'll knock on God's door one more time and turn my face to the wall and talk to God about this. I think I want to live a little bit longer, and I don't want to die from this sickness either. So really, listen, if you're talking about a death sentence, now we all know people who get death row. We get death rows in this. A lot of people want to do away with them. You know, I don't know how I feel about that. I think I'd rather know some people wasn't around to do what they did to get in there. You understand what I'm saying? If We all got to live. But anyway, people who are on death row are sitting there hoping that as they go through the appeal process that they can get some kind of cancellation of their sentence. Maybe if they drag it out long enough, they'll reverse some law or they'll find some loophole or something like that where I can get out of it. But when it comes to God's law and what he's decreed about us, you never run out of appeals. You never run out of time to make your petition to God. You always have time to petition God on your own behalf. You always have time to receive God's mercy. Where natural law, eventually, you will get to the end of natural law. But in God's court and his justice system, you can always declare your not guilty verdict. I don't care what they tell you they think you have or what they've seen on x-ray. And You know, there used to be a time old doctors would come in and if the aspirin didn't do it, they'd give you whiskey. And if the whiskey didn't do it, they gave you the aspirin again. And if the aspirin didn't do it and the whiskey did, they gave you both of them. Now they've got these high-powered microscopes that take, cut your body in little sections to see if they can find just a little microscopic section of your body, something wrong in there. Hello. So against all of that evidence, what are you going to do? When the enemy puts symptoms on you, maybe you are abusing your health, as they say. Well, that don't mean you get a death sentence from God. In fact, the Bible says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. As long as you're walking after the spirit and not the flesh, God doesn't condemn anybody. His purpose is to heal us and to set us free. So God is not the author of condemnation. He don't want to send us to hell and he doesn't want to see us sick. He's trying to get us to accept what's true In his court, that we are healed by the stripes of his son Jesus, that we have been set free from every bondage of the enemy. We don't have to accept it any longer. Look at what God did in Job's situation. Job was a righteous man, the Bible says. I'm going to have you turn there. Job chapter 1. Job was a righteous man. He hated evil. But he came into a situation one day that was on beyond his ability to control. It appears that Job was a minister or a priest of God. Because when God, the Bible says that Job, God turned his captivity when he prayed for his friends. And part of Job tells him to get up and array himself, put on his priestly robes, in other words. So God, Job was such a righteous man 
that he had position of being intercessor before God for people. And that means that he was a priest in God's realm. In Job chapter 1 verse 1, it says he was upright, he feared God, and he hated evil. But he had seven sons and three daughters. He also had a lot of personal wealth. And in verse 4 it says this, his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And so it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and made offerings for them or sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So even though Job was a righteous man, he had these kids that loved to party. How many parents understand that? Amen. And so what Job did that I think was an error on his part was instead of counseling the children and bringing them under authority, taking dominion the way he should have, he decided he would go and make his little private deal with God and make offering in case they sinned. See, you don't make offerings for people in case they sin. You know what those kids are doing down there, Job. You come up to God and you ask God to forgive them and say, God, what do I do as a father to keep my kids righteous just like I am? And so Job erred in this in that he didn't trust God with his offspring the way he was supposed to. And one day trouble hit his house just like it does everybody's house. And so in one day Job lost his children because his children chose death instead of life. They chose sin instead of righteousness. But Job had always chosen life. And so the devil walked up and down asking God, you know, talking to God. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? Well, of course he had. The devil considers the righteous all the time. You, me, and everybody else who is covered by the blood of Jesus is on his list. And some of us double time. And so God said, if you considered my servant Job, and so the devil said, well, he he worships you for nothing because he's never had anything from good at your hand. And so God then allowed the the payment for Job's disobedience to hit one day, as we all do. I don't care what it is that we have done in disobedience. One day that stuff is going to bear fruit. And that's all that happened in Job's life. It's the troubles of life that hit everybody came to his house one day. And Job got sick with boils on his body. His children were all dead, cattle all dead. The the enemy came and stole everything. And he was lying on his bed of affliction. But Job had an understanding with God that he could wait for his deliverance from God. If he knew nothing else about God, he could wait for his deliverance. This day in this dispensation, because Jesus has gone to the cross and paid the price, we don't have to wait. That's why it says in First Peter, by his stripes you were healed. Jesus has already gone to the cross and paid the price for healing, so you were healed when that happened. So the verdict is in. You are not guilty. Your sins have been paid for. Your sins have been atoned for. The only thing you have to do is accept everything that God has done for you. 
Now, to me, it's easier to believe God for something you can experience here than there. All people who are saved believe they're going to heaven when they die. Huh? And they should, because that's faith in what God has done. But that same blood that saved you and gave you your ticket to heaven is the same blood that paid for your healing. So why is it so hard to get people to let go of natural things when they've told you that they've seen something in your body or they told you these things about yourself or you feel things that aren't right in your body? Why it's just so hard to get people to accept healing just like they do salvation? I'll tell you why. Healing is something you can experience here. Salvation is something you can say you got and you never have to prove any evidence of it. Hello? That's the trouble with the church. We want to put everything off for days and days and days. We don't ever want to have to take a stand now and experience what it means to have faith in the now and to demand God to produce something for us in the now. We always want to say we're believing God for it or we're confessing for it or we're standing on the word for it. Not many people want to say, God, I need to see it now. If I was healed, I am healed. I want it in the now. See, that's a deception sometimes that comes to us because we always want to put God on a late train huh? that's coming or a train that's already left the station and we got to wait for it again. But I triple double dog dare y'all to get sick of whatever is going on in your life and just believe God for it to leave your life right now. Amen. And that's what we need to do as believers in understanding and believing for the atonement. So Job was considered by the devil. He was probably already on the devil's mind. And the devil devil gave him a lot of trouble. But we need to understand that death is always under God's control. The children of Israel were under a death sentence with Egypt until that blood was applied over their doorposts. So that blood is what the payment that gives you your legal right to anything that God has paid for. And so once you begin to understand that when Jesus paid for your deliverance by the stripes on his body, that you were then healed, then you will begin to accept what God says about you, and that is you were healed, you are healed, and you're healed in the future. So you should never be afraid of any kind of sickness that is to come on your body, because if you were, you are, and you will be in the future. The Bible says affliction will not come on you a second time. That will be double jeopardy. It's like if you paid a parking ticket and they kept sending you that same ticket over and over in the mail and trying to get you to pay for it. Well, nobody would put up with that. Well, it's the same thing is if Jesus paid for this healing, he's paid for that healing, he's paid for all healings, he'll pay for them in the future. They're all paid for. So it makes no difference what your affliction is. Some people are disturbed if people have what I call deformities or noticeable sick conditions. Jesus paid for a hangnail just like he paid for a a paralyzed person. 
So it's the same thing to God. Everything has been paid for by the power of the blood of Jesus. So when you, when the devil begins to consider you and consider your situation, he will begin to hit you, first of all, with some type of symptom so that you can consider the symptom. For instance, if you have trouble, like Brother Stone said, he had trouble with his vision and all those things. He had to consider what was wrong with his body. Now, I'm not saying you could ignore it and it'll go away, but sometimes it gets on your mind so bad that you have the decision to make as to whether you, you deal with it according to the word or whether you embrace it as a disease or something that you might have to contend with. And you need to be careful in these stages because this is a time where you can buy yourself a long trial of going through the natural process and then having to believe God for the healing, or you can choose life right now and cut that thing off right at the roots and say, I am not accepting this because by his stripes I am healed. By his stripes I was healed. By his stripes I am already healed. I do not have to accept this. Because at some point, whatever symptom it is will progress into something more and more and more. You'll start to embrace more of it. You'll start to believe more of it. You'll start to get more of it. The one thing I can tell you you don't need to do is on top of your symptom get condemned about how you got it. You need to start stepping up and say, God, whatever I've done, I ask your forgiveness. And you said that you would cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so Jesus then begins to be your lawyer. He has to explain to you what your covenant rights are in this situation. And yes, you didn't eat right. And yes, you stayed at the dinner table too long. And yes, you knew your family had this history. And yes, you did all these things. But you confessed it. I forgive you. You were cleansed from all unrighteousness. You are forgiven. Do not condemn yourself any longer. Because if you condemn yourself, the devil has a right to condemn you and leave it on you. The hardest thing to get people out from under is self-condemnation so that they can receive truth, receive their healing, receive what God says as truth. So at the same time that the, the, the doctor is telling you what he's found in the natural, what the tests say and everything, The Holy Spirit is going on your behalf and beginning to minister life to you and say, don't receive it. You're still healed. Don't believe it. You're still healed. Don't embrace it. You are healed. The Holy Spirit is the true witness. The Bible refers to him as the spirit of truth. The devil's symptoms are a lie. I don't care what you did. To get yourself in the position. You think God really cares if it made a, if he had a choice between letting you waste away in sickness and raising you up to go and preach and pull other people out of hell. What do you think he would choose to do? He would choose not to condemn you to death. You are worth more than that to him. He proved his worth, your worth to him when he shed his blood for you. And so if that's not enough for you. What else can God do? Well, the spirit of truth will come and minister to you and begin to tell you what exactly God says about you. And he says that he bore stripes for everything that bugs you. 
everything that would try and, and give itself over onto you. He paid for it, no matter how devastated, no matter what you did to get into the spot you're in. You know, I was sitting there, I was thinking, I said, man, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I wouldn't touch ice cream. Now I love the stuff. Huh? <laughs> huh? Listen, baby, things change. People change. We all go through, even the most perfect people have their share of difficulties. Because <laughs> you never know when, the, when God is going to say, consider my servant so-and-so. Wow. Huh? You'll never know when you're, you know, if your name might get dropped into that pot. Huh? And then that little thing that you've been struggling with and, and messing with and struggling with and certain now is overtaking you. Hello. That's just life. And so God has a remedy for when life hits us and we start to hit life and the two of them collide and there's trouble. And it is the blood of Jesus Christ, the atonement. Because the Holy Spirit speaks out of that blood voice. And he begins to tell you that this blood paid for your redemption. This blood paid for the fact that you don't want to get on the special diet and do what you need to do. This blood paid for the... Huh? It paid for all of that. So while you're sitting there condemning yourself for something that's merely a temptation. Huh? That's all it is. It's just a temptation. But it's not worth killing anybody over. You think God's pleased at people who have trouble controlling their eating get diabetes? He's not pleased with that. But I'm going to tell you something. Years ago, we didn't have all these problems. As the devil's time gets shorter and shorter, he comes up with more opportunities and more ways to put condemnation and heap illness upon us. Now they're making illness glamorous. Huh? Breast cancer. Everybody gets dressed up in pink. They have races. They raise money. They do all of these things. The enemy's trying to make illness glamorous now so that we'll embrace it even more. And then when the preacher tries to allow people to get healed and and receive the word of God, then we get condemned. Sometimes the church condemns you as much as people in the world do. Huh? Because people in the church will say stuff like, well, there's nothing wrong with, with uh, you know, being on a special diet and being this and being that. You're the temple of God. Yeah, but the Holy Ghost eats the word. The Holy Ghost feeds on the word. The Holy Ghost feeds your body the word. In fact, Proverbs 4.20 to 22 says that that word is medicine to all your flesh. Not just some of your flesh. All your flesh. You ever realize when you go to them, everything treatment-wise is in a zone, in a compartment? Like you got to have a special, like if you're, you have blood, high blood pressure. Now, <clears throat> we found that high blood pressure is, is uh, you got trouble with salt. Well, I know that's from the devil. He got trouble with me all the time because I'm the salt of the earth. Huh? So I ain't got no trouble with salt. Bless my salt needed. Huh? Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't that in your Bible too? Then the, then the Bible says that the word, your food is sanctified by the word of prayer if it's taken with thanksgiving. 
See, some of the problem with us saints, we ain't sanctifying your food. You mean even them three pieces of red velvet cake? I ain't going to sanctify it. Huh? It was up at 2 in the morning last night, Pastor Barb eating grits and, 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 and sausage gravy. Sanctify it. Did you bless it and thank God for it before you ate it? Huh? See, the problem with saints sometimes, we rush up to that table too quick and we forget to thank God for it. Huh? Sometimes sanctifying it will cause you to push away from that extra portion. You ever try it? Let God help you. See, there's too much. You know, for me, I'm kind of like old school. You know, prophets are like that. We like the Old Testament. Mm, fire down from heaven. That's what I need in the meeting today, man. Use me some fire. Huh? <laughs> they don't respect me. What? You, you made a mistake on my hotel bill? Fire from heaven. Bill, show you what I'd do with that bill. That's with me. Huh? See, a little old school. We don't worry about minutia. Huh? The small stuff. Huh? Listen, if a Twinkie is taking me to hell, I know how to get rid of the Twinkies. You understand what I'm saying, folks? Let us get on to more important things, can we, in the body of Christ? Can we get on to the Word? The Bible says (coughs) that the Word is medicine to all of your flesh. You get one disease and they give you 17 pills. Why? Because you got to have something for the water. You got to have something for the salt. You got to have something for the the vascular system. And you got to have something for that system. So it costs you $100 a month. Just to do what you can do in this, if you got to eat a page a day, huh? It's, this is your medicine. You know, and you don't have to get a good Bible. We give them away in the ministry. We got some dollar store Bibles, honey, that's got the same words on them. But this is medicine to all of your flesh. I don't care what the disease is. This word will heal it. The Bible says all of your flesh. Cancer flesh, high blood pressure flesh, diabetes flesh, heart disease flesh, deformity flesh. I don't care what kind of flesh it is. This heals it all. So you don't have to go to the diabetes section of your Bible. You don't have to go to the blood pressure section. You have to go to cancer. All of it will heal you. It's health to all of your flesh. It's medicine for your flesh. Instead of trying to find some little health pill or some kind of health cure thing, just, you know, get in the Word. Eat the Word of God. Eat it until all your symptoms leave. Because, see, to me, the only thing the devil doing is lying to somebody. If he says that you got to accept that. And you got to live with that. And you got to have, listen, you're trying to get national health care, but we can't pay for it. It's too expensive to get medical care for everybody. Too expensive. And God has already provided free, paid for by the blood of Jesus. 
It's paid for by his blood. Everything that we need is paid for. You can take as much of this medicine as you want. You can't overdose on it. You don't have to, you know how people, well, I got a high deductible. Does it come with with prescription benefits? So I got to have the kind of job that, they they ain't making them jobs no more. I got news for y'all. This stuff is too high. It's too high. Because medicine, the medical world has oversold itself. Now they're into preventive medicine. Hmm? So now you've got to go and get a checkup with some kind of machine that shoots beams into you. Now, if I ain't mistaken, it, the same radio is, did they say radioactive? Is that radioactive? Ain't that the same stuff they dropped over there in Japan in World War II and then people still paying for it? That's what I thought we were still with. Huh? See, they can keep their radio anything. The only radio I want is AM, FM. And they say that's making your brain shrink now. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm telling you, saints, let's get on the word. Let's get on what's already been established for us to live out of. Jesus paid dearly and severely to make sure the devil has no claim to you anymore. You don't have to embrace what the enemy is telling you. Because sin, God put, on, God put a penalty on sin because he knew it was a temporary condition. Anything that comes from sin is a temporary condition. Because Jesus has already sent the word out that what he did about that. It was always a temporary condition. In the nation of Israel, what did they tell Moses? God said, Moses, tell him this is a law. This is a statute and an ordinance. And God said, if you will diligently hearken to my voice, do that which is right in my sight. Give it to my commandments and keep all my rules. I won't put no disease on you. He said, I'm the Lord that heals you. He said, I put disease on people who don't know me, but they can come to know me and get it removed. He said, but you know me as a God who heals you, not as a God who makes you sick. God don't have any sickness to give us. We accept it from the enemy. Because we listen to him more than we listen to the word of God. If we would give God a tenth, and it's amazing to me how a person can live a life of so-called abusing their health. You know, it's another word I don't like. Because really most people don't set out to abuse themselves. They're tempted by the enemy and they give in to it. If it hurts your life, it's because of a temptation that you've received. That's why God's so merciful to us. He knows the devil's out to kill us. He knows he's out to destroy us. He's out to destroy our faith. Because God wants us well. He has paid for us to be well. Well, Barb, I don't think you should make people feel condemned because they take pills. I didn't condemn you. Take pills if you want to. But me, myself, what I do, this is what I did. When I first met the Lord, I'd had a nervous breakdown. I spent five years on tranquilizers and antidepressants. And I would take my pill and read my Bible. I was reading my Bible. took my pills. 
and kept reading about how God had healed me. And I'd take my pills and I kept reading about how God had healed me. I took my pills and kept reading about how God had healed me. And then one day I forgot to take my pills because I knew I was healed. See, before I was just reading about it and hoping it could be true. But then one day after reading it over and over and over again, I got converted to being healed. Huh? When your soul's converted, it's flipped over into the God realm where all you believe is God's word and there's no doubt anymore about your condition. I was sitting there a couple of weeks ago and I'd say, you know, Barb, you get old. I mean, these thoughts come to you. I don't get up out the chair as quick as I used to. I used to, toop. Now I got to have a little edge out to the edge and then I push it up. And I got to confess the word to get across the room. You are my strength. Oh, Jesus, I'm leaning on you. But I get there. Amen. <laughs> and we working on the rest of it. <laughs> huh? Now listen, I could do one of two things. I could condemn myself for why I'm like that. Well, see, Barb, you wouldn't have all them problems if you didn't eat them whatever I eat before I go to bed. There's little munchies everywhere. Headboard. In case I get faint along the way in my sleeping have gumdrops on my headboard. <laughs> in case I can't make it over to the kitchen. You know, my, my, my room is right next to it. In case I can't make it in there, I got faint along the way. I got a little hip, 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 hip. <laughs> you know, stuff you didn't eat when you was a 10 or a 12 now looks real good to you now. <laughs> so, but see, I started thinking about it. And then the devil brought another thought to me. And I was thinking, I said, oh, dang, devil, look at me. I put on all this weight. That's why I can't get up out this chair. That ain't that funny. What you remember that Velma? That's my girlfriend back there. See, these thoughts come. See, this is why you need a lawyer. Anybody here ever really been arrested? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> I got you. Hey, why not? Hey, not guilty. I was acquitted. They dropped all charges. But what is the first thing they know that they got computers? The first thing they do is they try to find what else you are guilty of so they can pile it up, get all your charges. And I found that's what the devil did to me. He just started stacking up charges on me. And you know you'd be feeling dizzy sometime when you get up. And I thought, I said, is that what that is? You understand what I'm saying? Huh? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm dizzy. Well, you know with all that weight and you feeling dizzy, and you know you get up and go to the bathroom. I said, now, devil, wait a minute. I try to go as late as possible. You know? Get up in the middle of the night. Well, that's because I've run around too much in the day, and I just drink at night. You know what I'm saying? I mean, drink water. You got to watch a crowd sometimes. They Don't flip out on me, y'all. Stay in the spirit. 
But you know, if you think about it, you can find yourself at least a little bit guilty of everything. Because we have a little bit of discomfort here. We have a little bit there. We have a, you know what I'm saying? And the charges can pile up on you if you sit there and consider them. And this went on for like a couple of days. And one day I found myself thinking, I said, you know what? I do nod off sometimes. Nodding off, that's bad. (laughs) My age, you start nodding off, this ain't but one step. I mean, come on, y'all. And I said, maybe, huh? See, this is, this is the balance here where you can go over to one side or the other in your mind. Maybe I need to go. And the minute I thought about doctors and hospitals, I said, you know what? I think I'm healed. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I healed. Uh, in fact, I know I'm healed. In fact, I believe I'm healed. In fact, by his stripes, I was healed. And after about five minutes of doing that, I made the decision to stick with being healed. No matter what this over here said. And the days went by and the enemy tried to bring it back up again. I was sitting in the same chair in the middle of the day, nodding off. Hmm? And it came back to me, maybe, I said, you know what, yesterday I was healed and today I am healed. Huh? Huh. It is as simple as that. You choose life, the Bible says. It is a choice. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But I'm telling you, if you choose the word, commit yourself to feeding yourself only the word. People now are into bodily perfection. I ain't one of them, all right? So don't worry about that. Huh? But, you know, we can always be, everybody's got personal trainers now. I ain't even got a general trainer. You know, I can't even get with the masses and the multitudes. But they, somebody who knows me and my lifestyle and, and what I have to produce for my entourage and my fans. And um, we are, I'm on a nutrition regimen and I'm on, I don't have time for that. I got time to bless whatever is set before me. Hello? And go on with it. I do have a stepper. You know what? I use the stepper a little bit more. You know why? Because I put it between the bed and the bathroom. So I can go like that on it. Two steps to get over to. <laughs> but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Huh? It's the truth. <laughs> you get my age and see how you feel about all them personal trainers. And, huh? <laughs> but I'm telling you. The indictment of the devil is real. He will use whatever he can. And what he does is he tries to convince you that you're still guilty of something that God delivered you from. He tries to convince you that you're, you're, you're a sinner when he, God says that you're a saint. 
He always tries to put, he likes to condemn the spirit man. You know why? Because that spirit man is made in the image of Jesus and he hates Jesus. He hates him. And so he hates you. And so he tries to convince you that you're not changed. You're not different. You're still the same person you used to be. Oh, yeah, I know. I can't get you on that, 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 and that. But I got you over here. So he's always trying to get us on something. But thank God we have a lawyer in heaven. That's why the Bible says you have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. He will explain this book of the law to you, just like he did Brother Stone. He explained to him in the spirit of worship how he was going to deliver him, but he had to lay everything down. Do you trust me with this, is what God says. You trust me or you trust physicians? Huh? Kings and prophets and priests in the Bible used to get in trouble for going to the doctor. I ain't going to say no more about that. But you know you've got to be built up in the word. I'm not saying nobody go throw nothing out. I didn't throw mine out. I forgot to take them because healing had so taken over my body. And so if we are people of God, we have already received the not guilty verdict. You are not guilty on all counts. By his stripes, you were healed. You are healed. You have every right to refuse sickness in all forms. Isn't that right, Renee? She had to go to the hospital, and they told her that she had had some diagnosis, ran from the diagnosis. I said, well, take a stand now. She said, no, I'm going to go get one more test. So the devil found it when he got you under his control again. And they told her, you have cancer. She said, uh, had. Mm -hmm. You step on that devil real quick. I don't care if you got a tumor this big sitting out there and everybody can see it. You step on that devil the minute he says it. Because it ain't yours. You didn't put it there. You didn't create cancer. It's an enemy in your body. So you can refuse it. You can deny it a place in your life. That's right. And you can talk to it and make it shrink and make it go down and make it leave. But you've got to be diligent about it, folks. You've got to stay with it. Once you make up your mind to go God's way, don't go back. Keep going God's way. Because God is your advocate and the verdict is in you are healed. Why don't we stand and worship the Lord? We're going to pray for you. If you need prayer, you can begin to come up to the the altar. Pastor Shirley and I are going to pray, both pray for you. Ms. Noel will show you where to line up. And we'll pray for you and just take this stuff off of y'all. In Jesus' name.